Welcome to More Than Medicine, where Jesus is more than enough for the ills that plague our culture and our country. Hosted by author and physician, Dr. Robert Jackson, with his wife, Carlotta, and daughter, Hannah Miller. So listen up, because the doctor is in. Welcome in to More Than Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Jackson, and I have a very special guest with me today, Dr. Rudy Gray, who's the editor of the Baptist Courier, which is the uh, official publication of the Baptist in South Carolina. Uh, welcome, Rudy. Thank you. It's an honor to be with you. Well, before we begin, Rudy, tell us a little bit about the Baptist Courier. Uh, I understand it's one of the longest-running Baptist publications in the nation. Is that what I'm understanding? It is. It certainly is. Uh, we celebrated our 150th anniversary last year, and we are the oldest institutional partner with the South Carolina Baptist Convention. So we have a pretty long history uh, with the Baptists of South Carolina, and through that, with the Southern Baptist Convention at large. How about that? Now, how, how many, um, uh, what, now you're published once a week or every other week? Well, once a month. We once have a, month. a a monthly feature magazine. We have an online version of that, and we have a, a webpage that's uh, updated just about daily. I got you. All right, now how many folks uh, uh, click on your webpage? Do you have an idea of that? Well, when we put all of our different platforms together, we think that it's somewhere around 120 to 130,000. Wow. Now, how many how many publications do you send out monthly to individuals and churches? Uh, that's about 30,000. How about that? Well, that's good. Well, I enjoy reading it. My wife and I get it every month, and we read it kiver to kiver. <laughs> oh, man. Well, thank you for that. Yes, sir. Uh, all right. Well, the reason I invited Dr. Gray on to the program today uh, first of all, because he's one of my good friends. I've known Rudy for 35 years, I think, and uh, he was uh, on the board of directors for the Crisis Pregnancy Center in uh, Spartanburg. Actually, he was on the board before I even joined uh, when the organization was called Hope for Tomorrow's Child. You remember that, Rudy? I remember that, and I remember your passion for it and how you took it, and it really took off, and today it's one of the best in the country, in my opinion. Well, we now call that uh, organization Carolina Pregnancy Center, and that's when I, I, I met Rudy. He was pastor at Roebuck Baptist Church at that time, and we became fast friends because of the pro-life issue. And in fact, he invited me down to speak at his church whoa, a long time ago, yeah. and uh, we've stayed connected over the years. And um, through The Courier, you've published a couple of my books, haven't you? Oh, yes, and you've written several articles for us. Yes, sir, y'all have. Y'all been very gracious to publish a few of my, my articles for The Courier, but Rudy's a delight to work with when it comes to publishing books, and I just decided this week I'm going to send him another book that he's going to publish for me, and we'll tell y'all about that another day. But anyway, leading up to today's discussion, I've asked Rudy to come and, and share with us his take on the uh, recent Southern Baptist Convention that was held in Nashville. I know that lots of folks have been curious about what transpired there. And Rudy, I'm understanding that there was more folks in attendance at this convention than have been present for many years. Tell me how many folks were really there. Yeah, that's right. The, the most uh, in attendance 
at this convention in 25 years. It goes all the way back touching uh, the conservative resurgence, you know, touching the fringe, the border of that. Uh, There was 15,726 messengers, guests totaled 3,856, and then the vendors were 8,000. Uh, 1,892, so you had a total number of people of 21,892, which is a tremendous crowd, and uh, you know, some people wonder, why was it so large? 40%, almost half of all the messengers were first-time messengers, Man. so that, that was an unusual convention as far as that goes, you know, it was, it was a lot of new blood that came into Nashville for that convention. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Well, I remember going to the conventions for several years in a row back in the 80s during the, quote, conservative resurgence and um, really wanted to go to this convention, but work prevented. So anyway, what what was your overall impression of the, of the convention? Well, overall, I think uh, you'd have to say it was probably a good convention. I was disappointed with certain things about it. Uh, we had... You know, what what drove it? I mean, why did people come, I guess, is a big question on people's minds. And uh, I think there were probably different issues involved in it. But probably the thing that was leading the charge was uh, the vote on president. You had four people running for president. Now, uh, Mike Stones, the pastor down in Blackshear, Georgia. Ed Litton, who was elected president as a pastor in uh, Sarah Land, Alabama. And then you had Randy Adams out in the Northwest, who was a... Uh, director of missions, or regional director of missions, and then uh, Al Moeller, who was president of Southern Seminary. And I thought, along with a lot of other people, that it was just going to be a runaway and Al Moeller would win the presidency. And uh, unfortunately, he didn't even make the runoff. The runoff was between uh, Ed Litton and Mike Stone. Mike Stone was supported by the new group in the convention. Uh, this It's organized called the Conservative Baptist Network. And they had promoted him and He'd spoken at uh, different meetings that they had had, and uh, it was a close close race. Uh, in fact, of the four, he got the most votes. And then when it came to a runoff, uh, Ed Litton beat him, but you know, by less than what, 500 votes. So it was a close race. And I think what all that says, Robert, is that our convention is pretty divided. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a, a vicious divide. I don't think anybody's, you know, ready to pull out of the convention, but I think it shows that we are a divided denomination. And I think most other people are saying the same thing. Right, right. But but people behave themselves well is what I've been told. There was not any, like you said, there was nothing vicious about the way folks behaved, but there is a division amongst the way people are thinking. Right. And it's, uh, I think, the fact that we have the largest business meeting in the world when we meet like this. And we have we had what was it five parliamentarians this year. We had uh, Barry McCarthy, who's been there for so many years, going back to the conservative resurgence. And then we had by his side, I guess he would be the number two, was one of the parliamentarians for the uh, Republicans Republican uh-huh. convention. So right. I think we were well uh, versed, uh, had a lot of help for parliamentary procedure, and everything went off you know orderly. I'm I'm sure there were people who didn't get to speak. That's always going to be the case when you have that many people. And you have time constraints that not everybody can say what's on their mind. Yeah, yeah. Well, now, what was new and different at this year's convention? Well, I think one of the things that was new was uh, the fact that NAM had the SIN conference uh, prior to the convention. And then before the SIN conference started, and that's where you had uh, 
Mark Rich and uh, Bobby Bowden came out, and then you had uh, uh, Tony Evans that brought a powerful message. But Rob, Robbie Gallaty, who's a pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church in Hendersonville, led a prayer time. And uh, you had, there was uh, maybe as many as uh, 10,000 people. Some people are estimating that could have showed up for that. And you had people praying uh, for the convention just before the convention started. So that, you know, I think, you know, any time we do anything, it, it travels on the wings of prayer. So I think that was an important part of this convention. That kind of stands out in my mind. Well, I, I talked to several other pastors, and that was the thing that was most impressive to them. They were in attendance, and emotionally and spiritually, they were most impacted by that prayer time. And they said they looked around that great hall, and there were 10,000-plus people on their knees praying for the convention, praying for the nation, praying for each other. And um, one pastor told me as long as he lived, he would never forget that moment. Well, I think it was a watershed moment in in a lot of ways, just the sheer attendance. Uh, When you have that many people, you've got to go back to the days of the conservative resurgence before you have that many attending a National Southern Baptist Convention. But, uh, you know, we've had very small conventions, sometimes as few as 5,000 showing up. And this year we had over 21,000 people. Mm -hmm. Of course, not all messengers, over 15,000 messengers. But I think that's a promising sign that, at least we've got people interested in what the denomination is, especially when you consider that we've been a denomination in decline for almost 20 years. That's right. That's right. Well, and, and it's encouraging that people are engaged. They, they yes. know the issues. They're interested in the issues, and they want to show up and express their opinions and their votes regarding some issues that are, are sometimes a bit controversial and uh, volatile, if I could say it that way. Yeah, and I think the representative, you know, of the, of the, the sphere, you know, the, the landscape of who came, we had messengers from all 50 states and then also from Puerto Rico and Washington, D.C. So, I mean, this was truly a national convention. Yeah. Now, uh, now I heard there was a commissioning service for missionaries uh, at this year's uh, convention. What, tell me a little bit about that. Uh, I'm... You know, I looked over my records. I wasn't uh, aware of that. I didn't see anything. So, uh, Well, I, let me tell you what I heard. Um, one of the pastors that was there told me that they commissioned 64 missionaries for the foreign mission field. And so they had a commissioning service there at the convention, which was a new thing. They Typically, the commissioning services are held regionally at various large churches around the nation. And they chose to have a commissioning service uh, at the convention. And and I understand why, because Southern Baptists are united around one thing, and that's foreign missions. Well, that's that's very true. I even mentioned earlier to you that I've got a call this week from Dr. Jim Carpenter and his wife, Joyce. And he's, I think he's 94 now. He's been practicing medicine all his life, but uh, they're living in Jacksonville now. But they wanted to know what was going on with the convention. And their main concern was missions. They That's said, we right. want to see that That's we right. get money to the missionaries. That's so exactly right. I think you're exactly right when you put your finger on that, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, it delighted my heart to know that at the convention, they were keeping the main thing the main thing because Southern Baptists are all about foreign missions. And there they were 
uh, commissioning 64 brand new missionaries to send around the world. And in fact, one of the pastors I talked with um, told me that this year um, they started uh, around the, the United States over 500 brand new churches, and 80% of them were ethnic churches. Oh, yeah. Uh, you're talking about the uh, NAM church plant? Yeah. yeah. Did you know yes, the stats yes. on that? Yes. Uh, not particularly. I don't have the exact statistics, but I know that the majority of those churches, maybe as many as three-fourths of them, were, were ethnic what we call ethnic or minority churches. Yeah. Yes. And see, that's exciting to me. That just that just fires me up to know that our churches, our convention is out there planning and starting new churches. Because we all know that the, most of the the church growth comes with starting new churches. Oh, yeah. Same thing's true with Sunday school class in a church. Yeah. If you start a new Sunday school class, it's probably going to grow a lot faster than an existing Sunday school class. Well, now, t- what were some of the issues this year, Rudy, that brought so many messengers from so many churches? Well, I think, you know, there was a lot uh, of talk and there was a lot of... Uh, I know, for lack of a better term, there was a lot of campaigning for the presidency. So I think that brought a lot of people. I think other things had to do with, uh, you know, the resolutions. We speak through resolutions. Now, resolutions are not binding and no church is obligated, but we speak through resolutions. And uh, there was a ton of resolutions, and we ended up passing 10 of them. Yes, sir. Uh, Lifeway had presented a uh, new mission statement. And they were going to do away with homeschooling materials and uh, also transfer their uh, college ministry to NAM. And the messengers uh, overrode that, and they voted against that. So Lifeway did not get to change their mission statement. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's why I've called uh, this year's convention the Convention of the Messengers. I've never seen messengers overturn executive committee, Lifeway, uh, things like that. Uh, to the degree that they did this year. Uh, another thing was the executive committee. Um, there was, when Russell Moore resigned as president of the ERLC, uh, the Ethics and Religious Liberty Committee, uh, he said some things. He sent a letter out, I don't know, it was about a year ago, and he said that uh, basically the executive committee of the Southern Baptist Convention was guilty of covering up sexual abuse. And he then they decided, well, we've got to call for uh, some kind of study. We've got to have an investigation. So I think it started out with the executive committee saying, we're going to study this ourselves. And then they said, we're going to get a life way to do it. But the messengers didn't agree with that, and they overrode that. And they said, no, we want a third party to do it. They wanted an so, independent uh, one, one messenger saying that if you're under investigation, you can't uh, investigate yourself. And that That's was right. really, really something because uh, – Usually the executive committee, at least in recent history, has never overruled on anything. Wow. Well, that is impressive. That's, I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, it is. But like I said, I think it was a – and this is refreshing that it was the convention of the messengers. That's where the power in the convention is. It's not in the hierarchy. It's not in the people that are on the stage. It's people in the churches. Because if you really think about it, the only thing that God has ordained is not the Southern Baptist Convention or the state convention or an association – the thing that God has ordained is a church. The local and we church. We live or die by the churches. That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> well, now I understand that critical race theory was a a major issue at this year's convention. What what was the 
the mood? What was the the mindset of the messengers this year? Well, you're right. It was a major issue, and you had a number of people coming expecting them. In fact, we even had one of the members of the committee said it was going to be a resolution that basically would condemn uh, critical race theory and intersectionality. And when the motion came, uh, it was a motion against racism and, you know, having a biblical approach toward relationships, but no word was mentioned of critical race theory. Several people tried to get it, and they tried to amend it, they tried to get it changed, but it ended up passing without any reference to critical race theory. Now, the reason I personally was disappointed in that is I think the, the country as a whole, if you're a conservative human being in the country, you're opposed to critical race theory because it has its roots in Marxism. That's correct. It, it, it's a non-biblical, non-Christian at all view of things, and uh, we didn't speak to it, and I think a lot of people, many people, were disappointed with that. But I think what the Resolution Committee probably tried to do was speak strongly. They, they've never said that we affirm critical race theory. They just didn't mention it at all. Mm. Well, that was a bit of a disappointment to me because I, I was hoping they would spell it out plainly and call it by its name and affirm our opposition to critical race theory as a convention. And it right. was a disappointment to me that it didn't come out that way. Yeah, and it wasn't a thing about race as much as it was a philosophy that has its roots in Marxism, it's very communistic, it's very socialistic, because we have come forth with resolutions very strong in opposition to racism in any form or fashion. Now, you said that the convention expresses its opinion in what way? Well, in resolutions. And there were about 10 resolutions? Is that there were 10, re- 10 resolutions that passed, yes. What were some of these other resolutions? Well, we had a, a, a resolution that we affirmed, which was uh, overwhelmingly, uh, it was targeting racial re- reconciliation and the Hyde Amendment. There was one on the Equality Act, which, as you know, is just, I mean, it's a nightmare. If that passes, I mean, House of Representatives already passed. That's the bill, as, as I'm sure you know. I forget how many times I did a story about this, and I, and I, count, I read the bill itself. Many, many times in there it talks about sexual preference and gender identity. Right, And what they mean by that is, uh, well, whatever gender you say you are and whatever sex you want to be, that's it. it and, and, you know, that's just totally contrary to Scripture. Yes. You know, in the beginning, God made them male and female. Uh, and up for this comes, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they do shall become one flesh. So this is just woefully way, way away from anything resembling Scripture. So the, the uh, messengers, you know, approve that. And with that, they approved uh, supporting the Hyde Amendment. As you know, the Hyde Amendment uh, is something that has to be passed every year as a rider to the budget. And every president for the last 20-some years has done that. Uh, this year, uh, Biden did not include it in his budget. What the Hyde Amendment does, it protects uh, unborn babies at a certain stage in their development. And it's estimated that over those years, it, that that amendment itself has saved about two and a half million babies' lives. So, you know, all of that passed, but uh, there were people that still weren't uh, satisfied with our stand on abortion. So they came back with their own uh, motion on abortion. Mm-hmm. And it was, and the title of the motion was on abolishing abortion. 
and what they said, and they quoted scripture. I mean, it was a very strong biblical emotion, uh, uh, resolution. But they said that uh, they wanted to eliminate abortion now completely for good. And, and without uh, exceptions. Yeah. And that's that's the thing. That, but it passed by about two-thirds, so, uh, uh, or at least getting it heard, and then it passed the floor. So that was a very strong emotion, I thought, that— uh, and that was another uh, resolution where they overrode the resolutions committee to bring that to the floor. Is that what I understood? Right. Yeah, yeah. They, they, the committee refused it because uh, they thought they already covered abortion when the, with the one on the Hyde Amendment and the Equality Act. But as it turns out, they had two-thirds to bring it back. If you know if two-thirds vote to bring this uh, resolution up, they're going to vote for it. Yeah. And so it, it, it passed <laughs> easily. <laughs> well, that is amazing. That is amazing. You're right. This was the year of the messenger. <laughs> I, th I think the other thing was uh, uh, the motion that was made on uh, sex, sex abuse. Yes, sir. And, and what they did with that was to say that anybody, it was basically it was about pastors and sexual abuse, that, uh, abuse. Anybody that has been found guilty in the past or today or in the future, if anybody's ever been convicted, uh, charged with uh, sexual abuse, then they are eliminated from ever serving in a pastoral role. Mm -hmm. And some people, you know, argue, well, what about forgiveness? And, uh, you know, what about somebody that maybe did something when they were a teenager and then they've repented of that and their life's like that man and serving God? But that's the way it passed. It was, uh, if, you've, if you're guilty of that at any time, if there's a record of that, then you're eliminated from pastoral service. Mm -hmm. That was strong. Yeah, that was strong. It was called on abuse and pastoral qualifications. Mm -hmm. Well, that shows you that the the mind of the messengers was that they're not willing to tolerate sexual abuse in ministry. Yeah, and you know you have to agree with that. And the, uh, you know another motion I think that you'd probably find very helpful was uh, on the weaker uh, people genocide. And there's a strong motion that passed unanimously on that. Uh, but I think the that's, that's thing the Uyghur all, people in, in China. Yes, yes. Now, I just want to yes. make sure our, our listeners understand what we're talking I'm about. I'm sorry, I should, have, I should have clarified that. Yes, strong motion opposing that, you know. And the Uyghur um, people are Muslims, correct? Uh, I think that's right. I think they're, minor, of course, they're a minority group in uh, China, but I mean... Yeah, it was just ridiculous that what China's doing in so many ways, but especially this group of people. I mean, it's not even humane. No, it's not humane. And see, we we as Christian folks are opposed opposed to persecution of any people group, not just Christians. Well, that's right, and we believe in the right of a person to live, even though we don't agree with what they say or what they do. I think an interesting thing too, Robert, was after the resolution that we go on record as encouraging. Uh, the Hyde Amendment to, you know, be attached to the budget this year, that it seems like in Washington, uh, Biden and, and his administration have just dug their heels in deeper, and they're still not including it in the budget this coming year, this new budget that they're working on. That is so amazing to me and so heartbreaking to me that people are so hard-hearted about the abortion issue and, and uncaring about the unborn children of America. Our unborn citizens, the future of our nation. Oh yeah, and I mean it's uh, it's scary. I mean I you know I look at it the national scene beyond Southern Baptist, just as as our country, and it's scary what some of the left wing 
I don't call them progressives. I call them liberals. Yeah. And you know, and you say, well, you know, we don't speak on uh, on politics. Well, it's not politics. It's morality. It's decency. It's truth. And where how far away they are from it is it's a kind of scary situation. Yeah, it, it is. It's it's a it's a moral issue when folks are are promoting the unmitigated killing of unborn children and as public policy. Yes, yes. And I think uh, when you think about the Equality Act, that, that's a scary thing too. I hope the Senate does not come close to passing it. But uh, somebody said, I forget what, uh, what senator it was, that this is one of the greatest threats to liberty in our nation's history. Well, it's going to take uh, the control of elections away from the states and put it in the hands of the federal government. Yeah, and, uh, you know, you know, I know, I think most freedom-loving people know that when the government gets bigger and more powerful, that means the average person on the street loses more power. They lose their liberties. It's forever lost. It's forever lost. Well, Rudy, I thank you for your time. I am so grateful. Do you have any other concluding remarks that you'd like to make and your take on the recent Southern Baptist Convention? Well, I just, you know, I'm still glad to be a Southern Baptist. Amen, brother. Uh, I think uh, of all the Christian groups in this country or even around the world, we have the best platform for reaching the world for Christ. And so I'm still glad to be a Southern Baptist. Well, you and I both, brother, I my my current pastor told me when I first met him that he was a, a evangelist for another denomination for 10 years. And I asked him, why did he switch to becoming a Southern Baptist? And he said, because every time I went into a community to do an evangelistic crusade, he said it was the Southern Baptist churches that came to my crusade, brought all their people, brought all their lost friends, and helped to promote the crusades that I was conducting and he said after doing that for 10 years i knew that i wanted and needed to be a southern baptist (laughs) yeah well and i think even you know even with all of our troubles if you compare all of the you know like we're divided denomination divided convention as i mentioned uh you look at any other christian group in the country right now and they they do not they're not in a position that we're in we're still in a very strong position to touch this world for Christ. That's right. And we still have, what, over 6,000 missionaries overseas that we support Yeah, through yeah, our, our missions over, given? Yeah, and over 14 million members, yeah. That's right. So we're, we're strong still compared yeah. with the rest of the Christian bodies in the country. Well, God has blessed Southern Baptists, and I pray that He will continue to, to bless us, continue to help us grow, and continue to help us reach lost people all around the United States and all around the world. Yes, sir. And then once we win them to disciple them. Help them grow in Christ and be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, sir. I I agree with you 100%. Rudy, I'm thankful for your time. Our time is up. You've been listening to Dr. Rudy Gray. He's the editor of the Baptist Courier here in South Carolina. We've been discussing the recent Southern Baptist Convention. Rudy, thank you for your time. I thank our listeners for lending a listening ear. And I hope you'll be back with us again next week. Thank you for listening to this edition of More Than Medicine. For more information on how to contact the Jackson family, to schedule a speaking engagement, or how to obtain Dr. Jackson's books, go to jacksonfamilyministry.com.
This podcast was produced by Bob Sloan Audio Productions.